Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we watch movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my young school-aged murderer in training, Alex Dandino. That's right, guys. This month, we're wrapping it up. The school or the pod goes to the School of Hard Knocks. It's a long, long title, but what a curation it has been. Uh, we went and ate our siblings in France with Raw. <laughs> we danced on tippid toe and ran from witches in Suspiria. <laughs> we murdered our friends and then made it look like a suicide with Heather's. These are just naughty, naughty schools. Oh, These wow. have all been bad schools. But I have to say, of all the places we've been, I think... Our last film, Battle Royale, might be the school I would least want to be enrolled in. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Although I will say, watching Heathers, I watched I watched Battle Royale before Heathers, and I remember texting you going, man, Heathers is way more fucked up than Battle Royale. <laughs> like, right. that, that was my takeaway. That's, I mean, that's true. Like, Heathers, I think, is more fucked up on a psychological level. Yeah. But I've never had to try to murder one of my friends with a pot lid. <laughs> that's a good point. I guess that's true. Like, we're just talking about more fucked up. I think Battle Royale is. Um, Alex, yes. watching Battle Royale, initial gut reaction. My initial gut reaction watching Battle Royale was, man, do we need this in the United States or what? No, I'm kidding. Um, I- <laughs> You're like, I hate teenagers. <laughs> I actually would love to do this with Congress. That'd be cool. Um, no. <laughs> Political. I take. No. Um, my first impression of watching the, I mean, I've seen Battle Royale before, but watching it this time, especially taking notes and everything, I realized like, I, I, I love, I just love uh, Asian cinema in general. And this is why, because these very cool, like high concept movies that I end up watching, like we've watched them a couple of times on the show and like, you know, you and I have talked a lot about, like, I love what, like, I think Takashi McKay movies are cool. I love Bong Joon-ho, and I love, um, I can never remember the guy who did uh, Old Boy, the uh, the Vengeance trilogy. Um, uh, Park, Park Chan-wook, thank you. Yeah, Park Chan-wook. So, the, all, the, all of their movies are super high concept, but what I love the most about them is that the concept of, like, the impetus for that high concept is so simple. Like with Old Boy, for instance, we watch a movie about a guy who gets thrown in jail for 30 years because essentially he talks too much. Like, you know, like there's like that little there's that it's a very small impetus. And I loved Battle Royale because the impetus for these kids getting sent to besides like the basic framework of the movie, which is like, you know, they're it's basically population control, essentially. Right. But the but the framework for that, I actually this is something that stunned me this time is how. Little the Battle Royale actually made sense. <laughs> what do you like as far as like why? Just an actual con because I'm I'm with you. I I love Asian cinema because oftentimes the highest concept is just treated so mundane. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which I think is awesome. But in this one, the actual rules and goal of the Battle Royale makes no sense to me. Well, it's sort of essentially like it's it's weird. It's kind of this combination of running man. And the like it came before the Hunger Games, but the Hunger Games like really right. dumbed it down a little bit. This is essentially like the Running Man plus population control. But I love that like these little kids get thrown on this island though by their teacher for just being they're, they're just unruly. They decided one day they didn't want to come to class, and he goes, "Fine, I'm signing these motherfuckers up for battle royale." Great. <laughs> like, well, right. It, it's essentially Lord of the Flies if your parent shot down the plane. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I fucking no, love okay, it's so such like, a simple concept. Okay, so here's here's my let's break down what Battle Royale is and then I'm gonna kinda nitpick it for a minute. Right. Not that you need to to actually enjoy this movie. I just think it's an interesting thing to talk about. Right. Uh one of the aspects of a world like this, a high concept uh version of a reality that we may face someday, is how do you build that world? And I wonder if they did this one all the way right. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> The nation has collapsed, 15% unemployment, 10 million. I don't know what Japan's total population is. 10 million unemployed, right? Right. And this is something interesting I, I learned once is if 
the adult population of men hit 27% unemployment, that is a tipping point into riot and society collapse. Okay. So let's assume that's this number. That's just a random tidbit I threw out at you. I don't even remember where I read it. Right. But it's not hashtag fake news. That shit's real. <laughs> I think. <laughs> okay, so this is the next thing they do. 800,000 uh, students boycott school and a crime wave ensues, right? So this is essentially how Akira starts. Yeah. <laughs> is it schools have run amok? <laughs> right. It's Akira Clockwork Orange setup we're doing. Um, adults lose faith and they institute the Battle Royale Survival Program. Right. This program essentially, and this, okay, this is where I'll take a little umbrage is I think it's scale. So they pick one classroom and they have one classroom of kids who are put on an island, given weapons, and they are forced to murder each other until one of them survives and can return to society. Right. Here are some questions I have. One, it can't really be for population because it's one classroom. Two, it can't be a scare tactic for bad children because the kids in the room didn't fucking know what was happening. Right. Like when the guy's like, oh, you're part of Battle Royale, they're all like, what the fuck is Battle Royale? Like, if this were real, that's all you would ever talk about well, no, in your school. all the kids knew what it was. I remember the kids. I don't think they did. When no. I watched it, they all played it like, what? What the fuck is Battle Royale? I think, I, here's what I, because I, I agree. Like, it's not necessary. I, population control is a bad thing to say. Time out. Let me, let me take my last little shot take before your you just completely dissect me. <laughs> Three, no cameras. True. This There's is not, no camera, so it's not a running man. No. Or even Hunger Games. That's based on an entertainment. Right. There's an entertainment uh, population, value to right? It. And four. So let's say some kid fucking survives this. You're actually gonna reintegrate that fucking murderous <laughs> bitch back into society. <laughs> Take all that out. It's a very this movie to me, it it's funny because it's much less the Hunger Games than it is Saul. Right. It's like a, a teacher who was wronged. Who's like, I'm going to fucking have my revenge right. for the butt slice oh, I, mean, I was dealt. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what this is, though. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, really what this movie is, is like a teacher's wet dream is like, oh, God, these <laughs> fucking little assholes in my social studies class. I am taking all these motherfuckers on a field trip and they're going to end up killing it. Like every teacher probably there's every every teacher in America and ev around the world probably owns this movie and has every iteration of a copy. <laughs> like there's no way they don't. <laughs> <laughs> like every Mrs. Hendricks just goes, yeah. honey, put on Battle Royale. I'm putting on my leather gimp suit. <laughs> oh, no. I guarantee you, like, behind, like, <laughs> like in every American classroom, everyone's got, like, a poster of, like, let's say, like, George Washington or something. Right behind that, if you tear it, there's a picture of Katano, the teacher. They're like, oh, yeah. God bless that man. He did the right thing. <laughs> like, this is You've done well. You've done well. You put on your finest sweatsuit and you achieved the dream we've all been working for. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that costume choice okay. real quick, by the way. Here's another interesting kind of picadillo I have with the setup of this movie, which sure. I actually think ends up making it more interesting, which is the nation collapsing can in no part be blamed on the kids. Right. That was just, that was so something I had a trouble collapses, with. right? And it falls down from the top. Let's say... Because we see military later and, like, the hacking happens. And they're just bumbling all over themselves like Keystone Cops. Right. So our only kind of government officials we're taught suck and are pretty inept. Right. Right? The teacher is cool. He's all right. He's keeping it together. But so the government collapses from the top down. Of course that's going to filter down into fucking children. Sure. But yet the only people who are getting punished and they've instituted this fucking murder program. <laughs> Our kids. I thought that it's too. a fucking very fascinating kind of scapegoating. Well, I remember wa I remember watching and thinking the same thing, being like, I don't. I wrote down in my notes, I'm like, I don't understand why children are being blamed for an economic recession. But I mean, you know, if anything, if anything, history has taught us is that no one who actually causes a recession gets blamed for it. So, <laughs> it, well, it's it's weird because it, it kind of plays with this youth is wasted on the young theory right yes where in a way these parents look back and and there's a lot of this today you know that we see like back in my day everything was fucking good and you guys are destroying it now like everyone hates on millennials it's like well bitch you guys fucked everything up right so now we have to invent uber because we can't buy cars <laughs> you know what i mean 
So there is this innocence of children, right? Like they do that cool moment where they're like, no matter how bad it got, we still found a way to have fun, right? This basketball game image. Right. And it it's kind of a cool idea that the parents living in this kind of hellish collapsed society see that and are almost jealous and mad and want to punish the children right. and bring the children faster into their shitty reality. Which is which is why I think if you go a little deeper into the like if you go a little deeper into sort of the basic premise, I think you're onto something with that though. Because when you go deeper and you think about that and you relate it back to like Kitano, the teacher who actually mm-hmm. puts them in this situation, that makes total sense. Like parents are jealous of this carefree life that their children can have and this carefully after carefully free life that they have provided for their children. So in this fucked up way, parents and teachers are essentially going, you know what? We've had to suffer long enough. Fuck these kids. And they decide to like, do that. Like, <laughs> this or is- like, you guys better fucking get to book learning. Cause you got to bail us the fuck out. <laughs> right. Now that could very well be the case. Like again, like I really do believe cause when you think about it too, culturally, like America is very different than Japan and like culturally in Japan, like they are very much about teamwork and very much about, it's not necessarily about the individual achievement. It's about the achievement as a group. So therefore if an economic recession is the case and that's something that causes a problem, the first thing you would do is you'd look at young people and say, well, we need to make sure that they do not make the same mistakes we do. So let's implement now this sense of obedience and authority by saying, if you fuck up and decide to be an individual or decide to do something, we're going to send you into an island where you're going to have to kill every other individual you know. That's, well, a that's very some, important you, thing. You disagree with me. You think they know what Battle Royale is before they are given that video cassette. I think they are aware. Because to me, that's how it would serve a purpose, right? Which is the scare factor of if you guys aren't in your classrooms enough or this random selection of, of the lowest quality students I as think, an example, right? That makes sense to me in a way. I think that's the hardest problem with these kind of movies, right? Like when I watch Hunger Games, and granted, I didn't read the book. My wife read them and really loved them. Right. But when I watched the movie, I was like, this is stupid. Like I had children now. If you're telling me my whole life is starvation, 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 and I have to give you my kid to murder on TV... Like, I'm just grabbing whatever stick or sharp thing I can, and I'm going to try to kill you. Right. Like, I, I don't care if you blew up one ring of your civilization or one zone, whatever the fuck it is. People aren't just going to live terrible lives and let you kill their children. Right? Right. So that's a hard thing for Hunger Games to get over. Like, Lord of the Flies is the prime example of this because through happenstance, these kind of unfinished characters are put on an island. Right. And, you know, left to fend for themselves and nature kind of takes its toll. This one is a little more complicated than that. I think that I think kids know, like, I don't think that they're I don't I think it's one of those things where if I can relate it back to something that like that I think about that I thought about when I was a kid, like when I was 17 years old and I was applying to college and deciding to go to college, I was like, I don't understand how this works. Like, do I just go to college and then like. I'm alone and stuff like that. Like, oh, like, you're lofty perch and white privilegeville. No, well, no, like, no, it wasn't even that. It was more to the point. Like I didn't, un- I didn't fully comprehend like the idea of me, like going off on my own. Like I, my, a lot of my friends were like, oh yeah, college. Great. And my, like, I remember someone asked me like, did you ever like, you know, what, what do you think about all this? And I looked at him like, can I be honest with you? I honestly just thought that once you turned 18, you like disappeared and died. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I'm you like, have nothing left to offer society. Exactly. Like, I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, like, looking back on my life, not so wrong. It's, it's not a, completely inaccurate. It's a peculiar thought, like moving on to this next phase of your life. That seems kind of like scary in a way. But yeah. like, so to me it makes sense that a kid would think like, Oh yeah, sure. That battle Royale thing. Yeah. I'm I'm sure it's real. Whatever. Like if it's not on television, then it's not a real thing. Yeah. That's a really important aspect. I think if it's not broadcast, like the way run the running man, I, I wonder if they could have that one back. If they would put cameras, cause they're already monitoring and surveying every kid on the Island. Right. I, I, that's what, that's what I mean. What, what it's a question I was left with early on. And again, this in no way affected my enjoyment of the movie. I just think it's an interesting 
uh, example of world building, right? How hard it can be. Because this is our world. Kids being forced to kill themselves, which in a weird way, you you accept all that as, oh, yeah, I can totally imagine that would happen. Right. Well, but it's it's the steps of world building that you can miss, which I think are kind of interesting. Right. But like you think about the beginning of the movie where they have that little girl smiling, covered in blood and everyone's oh like my. surrounding. I mean, her. that's the image. Like right there. You're like, this movie has to sell itself. Right. But that's like <laughs> the thing I think about is like clearly people know that this is a thing. Maybe the fact that it's like the the virtue of youth, like being like being like ignorance is bliss. Like, maybe yeah. the idea is like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever, Battle Royale, I'm sure it's real, whatever. That's why kids are not in line. And that's why, like, they still cut I mean, out of class and, like, stab yeah. Tano on the way She's out. She's sitting there hug- hugging that teddy bear covered in blood. It's fucked. In your mind is like, how did she win? What happened? What right. The f- I mean, it's, it's this beautiful mo- – I mean, she immediately is covered in the carnage of this new society, this right. post-apocalyptic society in a way. Um, it – I think the movie starts pretty brilliantly, too, with not only the basketball image giving us and this kind of weird, like, the parents blaming kids, but when we see Sua, is that Sua's dad? Yeah. Uh, His suicide is such an unusual moment, right? So the mom's dead. Mm -hmm. He comes home, and his dad is dead with his pants down, but his underwear up. Yeah. Very strange. (laughs) Why the pants down? I don't know. And on toilet paper has written... Uh, you can do it. Go for it. It's this. It's this fucking weird. I couldn't cut it, and I have made things worse. Right. But I expect you to be able to pull through and bring me out. It's, and that's what I mean. And it, it's fucking. So you get this kind of these big heavy moments, and then they're on this bus, and they go into a tunnel, and they just wake up in this alternate reality where now you have to murder each other. Right. It's fucking cool, man. It's a good start. I, I it's a very fascinating it's a very like abrupt beginning to a movie like to me yeah. it don't work so well because of that. that you're still sitting there pondering like the ins and outs of this world right and then they're like oh we're already murdering students that's the thing I love the most is like like they exp- like this is where the Hunger Games gets it wrong is they explain so much of the setup of why that I eventually end up going like, I, I don't give a shit. Like, I literally don't care about any of these people. Like, this makes no sense. Why haven't all the other districts just risen up and murdered everybody else? Right. Like, this is ridiculous. It's the problem of, yeah, people whose kids are being killed on TV would not just fall in line. I mean, I've always heard the argument for movies like this about look at the atrocities that people did stand by and watch. Right. Right. That This group mentality as we get in a group and we're more likely to just fall in line like sheep. Maybe. But I'm with you. Like, the more you kind of just steer into this almost impossible to please answer business. Yeah. You're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. And this movie's like, eh, it's not all perfect, but you're going to fucking love right. this. Wait By the way, to see what we got in store for you. <laughs> like up to the point where the kids are revealed, like what's going on. Like when they're like told, Hey, so this is battle Royale. Congratulations. <laughs> coffee down the wrong pipe. <laughs> 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 oh my God. See, I would die in Battle Royale. Someone just has to give me a cup of coffee and I'll kill myself by choking. <laughs> so, oh, as soon as my that... God. Like, this you is all... you think we would have got a big number spike if I died on air? Well, yes. I think I would <laughs> I think I would be incredibly famous. The man who... Pop- oh, my God. Because... Can you die from having coffee in your lungs? You can die from having anything in your lungs. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> all right, this might be my last one. Let's finish strong. <laughs> I was going to say, if you died on air, I would finish the show for us, and then I would be incredibly famous. And probably, <laughs> and probably I'd be in trouble in a murderer, but nevertheless, still famous. <laughs> um, so, but I agree, like, they don't, they don't tell you really a whole lot about the rules other than, like, the, precip- the precipice for what constitutes the Battle Royale Act. So, by the time you're in the classroom with Katano, who shows up in the, like, one of the greatest track suits of all time, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> Straight up Sopranos. Yeah. He looks very, it's very they, poly. They definitely appropriated culture from the Sopranos. It's a very poly walnuts look. Uh, so Katana, <laughs> Katano shows up and he's telling these kids like, hey, guess what? You're all dicks and that's why you're here. So they don't explain anything else, but it's to their benefit because you kind of don't need to know anything other than like, he thought these kids were bad. He signed them up for this fucked up. Hunger Games, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. Do you think every teacher gets to come with the class that they hate? Oh, I think that's I, I think that like that's the thing that I think is fucking brilliant because I thought about 
all the teachers that I fucked with in high school. I'm like, yeah, man, I could have gotten Battle Royale for sure. Oh, I would have been on the list. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I definitely would have been Battle Battle Royale without question. Yeah, and that's the weird thing to me is that the setup of the game and the island is so precise and perfect. Yeah. Right? The I mean, island makes total fucking sense. The world around it, not as much. Right. But the, the actual game they set up, like that classroom scene is fucking astoundingly tension building. Oh, yeah. Or st- astounding tension building. What because, the fuck did I say? I but, made it an but adverb But it's because no you're reason. about as confused. It's interesting because we all know we've had this precursor, and this is like the brilliance of the filmmaking, is we've had this precursor. We know what the movie, where we know what the story is behind the Battle Royale. And yet we're still just as confused as the kids are because we don't know what that's supposed to look like yet. Mm-hmm. So and we beca- just know that a child will come out bloody. Right. <laughs> and because Katano's there, I think the teacher being there throws the whole thing off. You're like, OK, oh, what's my God. going He's so on? good in this movie. Oh, my God. It's awesome. The good old uh, blind swordsman himself. Oh, front and center. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's <laughs> he is so great. Like he's so good, and then he starts explaining all this stuff, and he's just like fucking ruthless too. This is the thing I love is like you know that this is okay, every wait, teacher's we got, wet dream. It is, but we we got to take this a little bit step by step, right? Like very much like the Heather's cafeteria scene. This scene is fucking dense. Yeah, with not only information but very important steps in believing that these kids will be reduced to killing each other. Right. Yes. So. We come in and he pretty much starts off. I love this thing because some of the kids are kind of tough talking him, whatever. Yeah. And he fucking punches the shit out of this kid he hates. And he goes, today's lesson is you kill each other. (laughs) You kill each other off until there is only one left alive. Nothing is against the rules. And immediately all the kind of bigger world building stuff that I was questioning, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. As soon as he says that, I'm like. That's the whole fucking that's elevator pitch. Like, that's a brilliant movie. Right perfect. There. Yeah. And, uh, but this is the other thing, too. So he's trying to play this video cassette. And he, this is one of the great fucking acting choices I love. As the movie's playing, it's kind of this very saccharine, um, sugar coated yeah. Asian By style. By the way, uh, hello, buy our soda. Like, might kind of commercial. be the most and disturbing she, thing in the movie. Like, yes, beyond all the killing, goes, this is truly the most goes, disturbing thing. Yeah, but the teacher's sitting on the desk. He looks at the kids and goes, hello, and is clapping. Like, he's so excited. Like, he's it's a call and response, like Chuck E. Cheese style yeah, yeah. us Americans. And it was like, oh, my. Like, this guy has full. He got his butt cut once. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because I don't believe any teachers are sad when their students don't attend class. No, That's not Not at all. Because they have the classroom where he has the big X on his board, and he's, like, downtrodden. He can't, like, but that, impart lessons. Right. But the butt cut really has bothered this guy for But I think time. that factors further into – this. Is, again, this is the cultural difference. Like, that factors further into, like, the Japanese culture is very much about obedience and about authority and honor. And for children to not honor their teacher and not honor that kind of thing, that, I think, is what pisses them off. Like, even more than the butt cut. I think the butt cut's just, like, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Ah, uh, there's something – I don't know. Maybe that was his pride and joy. He's like, this is how I'm going to catch me a fine wife. My, my, my sweet caboose. <laughs> now he, he's hideously scarred. My sweet caboose was going to catch me a fine <laughs> wife. These kids are going to pay. He's like, the only jobs we have left in this terrible new economy is Instagram model. <laughs> I was so close. I was so close to being a hot butt model. <laughs> Damn it. But no, I mean, that there is something just universally shocking, right, about seeing a teacher behave the way this guy's teaching. Like the slapping kids is one thing. But he specifically throws something at this one girl, right? Stop whispering. And she kind of like, that hurt. Then he punches the next kid. The next time someone whispers during the video tape, Oh, my God. He fucking Jack Burton's them right in the face with a knife. Yeah. And the student lays there fucking dead. And he just goes back to teaching as if it's not that big of a fucking nope. deal. He goes over right? and pulls the knife out like, yeah, whatever. I needed my knife back. And this, but this is, this is one of these kind of like amazing fucking... Just layouts of how these rooms work, right? Because this this is the question every audience member is left with in this movie is, is how would I react? Like me personally, when I was in high school, I used to have the Lord of the Flies fantasy all the fucking time. Like if this classroom was lost, who would be my ally? Who would I have to take out? Who am I going to try to hook up with? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Like how do we build stuff? Like that was like my daydream fantasy when they were talking about some fucking nonsense I didn't want to care about. Right. Um. So that's what we're doing as an audience the whole time. And the biggest question that we all have as an audience is, well, I want to actually kill my classmates. Like, I'm a good person. 
when he fucking knifes that, there is this kind of universal primal reaction to seeing a teacher, a caregiver, a protector of children fucking murder a student so nonchalantly. Yeah. And almost a little joy. It's kind of this this uh, arrogant joy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this big dick energy joy. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a cheerleader, but he's letting you know he enjoyed the fuck out of that. Right, right. And so as he keeps playing the rules, we see another student caves in and says, if I win this, do I get to go home? In that moment right there, we all buy into, oh, shit, this is real. Yeah. Because you see one kid doing the math of, he fucking murdered that guy. We have these explosive fucking neck collars on that could blow our fucking heads off. And we see that. The kid who asked the question and another troublesome kid get in a fight and his fucking neck explodes, yeah. right? The neck it's collar like a thing, fucking robotic uh, roadhouse. That whole thing where his like ne- where the, he sets the neck collar on, that scene where all the kids are like pushing him away, oh my God. I was just like, that's an amazing tension building moment. Like I was just like, holy shit, this kid's head's going to explode. And oh yeah, and his, his classmates are instantly, instead of helping him, they're, they're pushing like, him away. Get the fuck away from me. But that's what I mean. That little moment of if I win, can I go home? The fight and then seeing the person fighting back against that notion blow the fuck up. Yeah. And immediately we all believe because this is the thing is is how fast it's kind of the problem and interesting ground with all of these stories. If you do it wrong, the whole thing doesn't work, which is how fast we lose our our niceties and our norms. Right. right, like how fast people fucking fall in line with the new reality in front of them. And these kids have to do it. I mean, that scene is what, maybe 10 minutes? Maybe. Think about, they lay out the entire fucking rules of, to me, here's this thing you've never heard of. You're all going to fucking kill each other. And then he just casually is like, oh, we notified your parents. And I was like, what's that phone call like? <laughs> hey, your parents are now on uh, Murder Island. You might see him again. Hey, guys. But they'll be a fucked up little psycho if they ever come back. <laughs> Hey, uh, your kid's on uh, Battle Royale Island. They're probably going to die. I, I don't know what to tell you. Bye. Yeah, and, and just seeing a familiar protector authority face, two deaths, and one person coming to the reality, everyone else buys in. And also, just for good measure, we throw in two wild cards that are obviously like bigger, stronger right. students. But the amount of not only world building that goes into that scene, but setting us, the audience, up to say, oh, my God, I would have tried to kill my my classmates, I right. think it's they accomplish an awful lot. And that is strong, fucking precise decision making for filmmaker. Well, how about uh, to pull that off? Also, I want a point of order. The first kid out the gate, we find out ends up with a fucking crossbow. What a dumb dumb for not just literally sitting outside of the running t- tunnel and just murdering. <laughs> like, like, didn't you have the walking dead back? <laughs> yeah. You like you fucking idiot. Like, don't hide in the woods. Fucking kill people as they're running out. Idiot. Well, honestly, the first person should have just stood there like fucking Conan. <laughs> <Been> like, <laughs> Although, <laughs> we'll get to the weapons in a bit. Yeah. But this is what I mean. That choice too, right? So they have this really long sequence at the end of that classroom scene that bothered me, which is where they, they show every student leaving the room and saying their goodbyes. And to me, I was watching this. I'm like, this is... When are they going to cut? Like, I don't need to see all these faceless, soon-to-be corpses say their goodbyes. (laughs) Right, right. But it's actually a brilliant fucking choice. Like, despite it bothering me, what it did was it it provided an exact, real-time account of the first person who left to the first fucking dead body we see. Yep. It's It's brilliant. Because, again, that's a choice on the editing room floor. I'm sure someone's like, we're not going to actually name every one of these kids, right? And I don't know if they get to all of them by the time we leave. But by the time that that, that guy leaves, no. we know exactly how long it took for one student to do the math. And this is a different student. Mm-hmm. And fucking shoot his female classmate through the neck with a fucking bolt. That's what they're called. Bolts, not arrows. Arrows, sorry. Bolt. Yeah. Get with it, man. Sorry, I'm not, <laughs> sorry, I'm not hip to my archery. If you did enough of these daydreams, you would know it's a bolt. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, and also there's a sadisticness to the game too. Cause right after that, so these kids run out and immediately are murdering each other. Yeah. And but, it is, it's shocking. It's fucking startling how fast we all fall in line with our new reality, right? Like that's something a lot of great sci-fi does is here's the new reality. 
and you can either fight against it or you just fucking accept it and get down to it. Right. And this is one of those movies where most people just fucking get down to it right away. Yeah. And so this is something I was going to ask you, right? So one thing we see is some students are like, I'm just a good person, man. Like, I'm not down for this. And we see it at least four students kill themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Two of them hang and two of them jump off a cliff. Yeah. Would you participate in the battle royale? Would it be a yes, a no, or weapon dependent? Like, if you looked out and you're like, oh, what? I got the pot lid. (laughs) You would just fucking kill yourself. I don't know, man. Like, this is something I thought about a lot while I was watching it, too. Is like... would I be capable of doing this? Like in that situation, maybe Like I don't know. Like this is the hard part too, is like, I feel like I would be inclined to protect people, but I also realize everyone's trying to kill each other. So I, yeah, think, there's no teamwork. <laughs> yeah. There's no teamwork. Like that was the crazy well, teamwork, thing. but you can't walk out as a, a victorious team. Well, yeah. But as we see that, Obviously, well, you know, whatever that goes, let's go to later. <laughs> in the movie. But, um, you know, like the thing I thought about when I was watching is like, who do I like the thing I thought is like, I, I can't, I don't know if I could decide for myself, but like, if I think about the people I went to high school with, like deep down, like who do I think would be capable of doing it? And I realized all the people I went to high school with of all the people, I think I'm the only one who would have been capable of murdering anybody. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> I guess that means I'd win Battle Royale. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. Like, I think about all the people. Well, the I, teacher gives this kind of cool rationale that lets people explain it away when when he's kind of, you know, Clint Eastwooding from the porch. <laughs> where he's like, oh, you kids thought life was a game, huh? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Play for it, man. See if you're worth it. Right. Um, And it, I think just even that little bit lets these kids get away. And something they do brilliantly throughout the movie is we see how the kind of tension of actual high school life, right? Like. There's a lot of these moments of in death, people professing their undying love, which you think that you like, that's stupid, but you think back <laughs> to high school and that was the thing, like just having a girlfriend and this is like these, these earth shattering, like once in a lifetime romances, which is obviously bullshit. Well, like that, but that's what meant the most to these kids, right? Well, yeah. There's a lot of this like kind of chivalry of I'll die for my one true love. It's like, bro, you won't even know her name in a year. Right. Well, like, that scene with it, Gogo. But it is fascinating, though. That scene with the girl who plays, like, Gogo Yubara from uh, Kill Bill. That him and that uh-huh. guy, and the guy's like, you're a virgin? Do you really want to die a virgin? It's like, dude, this not is only not that, the but time. He's been a fucking creepy stalker. Yeah, exactly. That one's cool, too, because he has her at crossbow point, and he's kind of like, I will fucking rape you. And she gets the fucking knife. She's like, come on, bitch. Yeah. Let's fucking do it. She she's like, getting she's him down hard. and fucking stabbing him in his fucking taint a bunch. Oh, dude, that was so was nasty. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But this is this is what I mean, though. You see these moments where actual, they're kind of like drama of high school relationships and this and that adds this insane hotbed of paranoia right. to these people. Because- just the fact, like, there are some kids that are just, like, so afraid and seemingly lonely without friends that they kind of just lash out and, like, a, this is what it is. And there, there's a couple kids, too. It's weird, like, the kids who you would think of as being, like, brown nosers in class seem oddly excited to get in on this game. Because <laughs> they're like, this is an assignment. I have to get an A+. Plus. <laughs> right, yeah. So, see, But it it's it's very I, – I like the way that – the high school drama aspect. Like, even our main two characters, right? Sua and... Uh, Noriko. Noriko? Yeah, sorry. I can't remember any of the names. I, think, I, I tried think, to write them down. I'm I think like, the I two names are uh, Sh- uh, Shia and Noriko. Yeah. Even their kind of bond is because she has a crush on him. He has a crush on her. But his friend who died had a crush on her and only came on the trip because she invited... So that's always like, this is... It's a brilliant extra tool, right? Like, they've already set up the... You have three days to kill each other. If you don't do that, you'll all be fucking murdered anyways. That's enough. But the extra levels of utilizing your characters, right? Like, what is the world of these characters? They're high school kids. And we talked about this with Heathers, man. Like, high school kids feel like they're fighting to survive every fucking day they're in that building sometimes. 100%. So this is just kind of a a brilliant extrapolation of that, that basic reaction a lot of us have to those buildings. Right. And And you see... The, one of the best scenes in the movie to me is the lighthouse scene, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. The lighthouse scene is this cool moment where, so we see that the one transfer kid's a full psycho. He volunteered. The other transfer kid um, is a, a winner of a battle royale come back, yeah. which I was like, 
that's fucking crazy. They can just re-enlist your ass into this. Yikes. Um, so our main guy, Suya, and his friend have escaped. Yeah. And he's like knocked out and beat up. His friend carries him from the sea to this lighthouse where a bunch of the this group of girls have gathered, all these friends. And she takes him upstairs and is healing him. And he's like, hey, man, the guy who already won the game knows a way off the island. We can figure this out. We go downstairs and it's kind of this idyllic moment, right? It feels like they're all kind of working together. They're cooking. They're looking out for each other. They're helping each other heal. Right. Uh, we're going to get off this island. Well, there's one girl who saw at the beginning when uh, Suya was attacked through kind of just the tussle of that. And rolling down a hill, this kid got an axe buried in his fucking face. Right. She thinks that Suya did that on purpose. So she is paranoid as hell and scared and worried. She didn't want him there, but everyone else did, and they think he's a good guy. Um, and her weapon is poison. Right. So this is one of this is like the blood test scene in the thing to me. This is like brilliant tension building and just kind of exposing the underbelly of this reality that they're all trying to build. So she poisons the soup. She's going to go take him out with poison and it'll be cool. Her friend bursts in all bubbly and happy. Things are going great. Swipes it, takes a bite, vomits blood up. Right. The moment that blood hits the table, everyone's shared reality is completely disintegrated and we're left with the paranoia and mistrust that they've all been carrying the whole time yeah. <laughs> trying desperately to not accept and it's fucking amazing it's good like it's this it's this showing of like it's uh there's this show that uh, was on um i think it was on fox uh called kid nation where basically <laughs> children had to build like their own society in this old western town out in arizona so they had like kids from like six to twelve build it but what's interesting too is like you realize like how subtle alliances seem as children, but also how completely fragile they are, and especially in a situation like this, uh, where obviously everyone sort of realizes there's a a, a ticking clock, but also everyone ha- like someone is the only, there's only one of them that's going to survive. So like there's a huge ticking clock and all that stuff on it, but also everyone is out for themselves. So as soon as the blood hits that hits that table, you're like, holy shit! Everyone's jumped. Like every alliance is broken and it's back to what I would call it's back to literally battle royale. Like, yeah, well, every single person is now confronted with, I know I didn't do this. Right. Someone in this room did. So we're living in this kind of hippy dippy holding hands, making. Yeah. They called it spaghetti, but it was just like weird noodles and water. <laughs> Very. <laughs> We're get, your umbra, your your Italian chef reactivated. Get but this is get this is what I mean. It's they were all kind of living in this. We can go back to reality, and they're immediately confronted violently with someone or everyone in this room is not living in the same world as me. Right, and you are forced to fight or flight. I mean, that's what it is. Like this, it's. It becomes instinctual, and that's why the sh- that's why that scene is so great too. Is because, and this is like this is goes to the pacing of the movie because it starts so abruptly, but the pacing of the movie slows down, and you do get to this place like, oh, maybe these kids will figure it out. Like this isn't just going to be this weird shootout movie amongst right. children. Well, you have them, you have the computer hacker team yep. that seems like they might build a bomb and maybe take out the military guys. Uh, we've got the shed where the transfer kid is helping them yep. nurse back out. So it seems like alliances and little mini societies are forming. So yeah, you're like, all right, strength in numbers. They could do right. this shit. It's it, <laughs> it's sort of the way the Hunger Games goes. But what's interesting is again, like we're at the point now where you realize this is it's not this is survival. It's not about mm-hmm. who's who has the best team. It's about who is the only one left standing. And I think that's the thing that's really great. That's the thing the Hunger Games doesn't do is the Hunger Games really wants you to be like, oh, no, it's about a community. This is literally about, listen, these kids all understand that one of them only only one of them can survive. Like that's I think the Hunger Games is always asking you to think about the world at large. Right. Exactly. This one's always fucking bringing your focus. This one is strictly about the kids. And this is the thing. Everyone who's worked in an office, been on a sports team. Right. Like you always are doing this kind of give and take of what you really think versus what you give to the group to just kind of get by. And this, this kind of 
it, it goes back to the the kind of basic big questions that are interesting in this movie, which is how fast these fucking girls go from everything's okay and Suya says we can fucking make it together to all of them shooting each other yeah. in this fucking bloody Tarantino-style fucking throwdown. Oh, yeah. So- and the only girl who's untarnished is the girl who did it. Yeah. And her friend, even in her dying breath, she's like, it wasn't you, was it? Possibly realizing what had just happened and how much she fucked up. And the girl just lies and says, no, it's fucked. And then that girl goes up to Suya and says, this is one of my my favorite moments in the movie. And she's like, I didn't realize how much I liked them all. Right. Right. Like her her fear in the moment so bested her belief that they and specifically she could get out of this. Right. She she felt weak and not in control and scared. And she forgot just the basic decency of these are human beings I like. If if I get out at the expense of their fucking blood, what's the value of all this? And she runs up to the top of the lighthouse and kills herself. But and it's it's that one scene to me is just the perfect I mean, I think the classroom scene is probably the best scene. Sure. But that that is just a it's a perfectly contained moment that through a smaller, more focused lens shows you all the best things that this story has to offer. Not only that, I also think it sums up pretty much the allegory of being the popular girl, like having to try and be part of the popular clique in high school. Like you think about like to relate it back to what we're talking about this month, like that scene in and of itself, like how many times do you know people who have lied to survive in in high school, like lied Mm -hmm. to survive in a group setting? Like that's just what it is. And not only that, like once you lie to survive and you're eventually thrown out, like the loneliness is almost unbearable. Like that's like one of those things in high school that you learn early on is like who your real friends are. Well, you have to sometimes learn the hard way and that's by like fucking up that bad. Now, obviously this is far more dire consequences than like lying to your friends about, I don't know, who you slept with or something like that. But it's still like (laughs) one of those things where – it's still a really brilliant allegory for what it is to be a teenager and deal with the fact that you sometimes your loyalty is tested and when you fail it becomes almost it becomes gut-wrenchingly unbearable. It's fascinating. They they do this masterfully throughout the film, right? Yeah. Which is that the moments on the island that we are confronted with are just more barbaric versions of the high school life. Sure. So that's like the guy I was dying laughing with the kid with the crossbow. Like, I'm like, he's still trying to just get laid. Yeah. Like in this battle (laughs) royale, he's going to get murdered and he can't stop being a high school kid. Right. right? Like he's still just a Michael C. Hall (laughs) after all this. But then he resorts to a more aggressive, like, you know, I'll take it if I have to. Right. That's fucking sad, man. But, you know, even in this moment, he can't escape. And, And that girl's dealing with the same thing of this unwanted pursuit and the possible risk of a sexual assault and this and that. Um, I'm trying to think there's another moment to me that, that sums up the high school struggle really well. And this is um, the girl Matsua, I think her name is the sickle girl. Yeah. Okay. And so her story we see in flashback is maybe the most tragic of all, right? Even Suya who lost his parents, her mom to get by in this new economy sold her to a sexual deviant. Mm Hmm. With a Barbie doll for money. And she's kind of like, eh, you'll be tough enough to survive. Right. The guy goes up, undresses the doll, and he's like, now nah, I'm going to do this to you. She fights back and kills this guy on the stairs. Right. Cut to when we see her later in the movie at the basketball game, she's a loner. No one is with her, this and that. Right. When, when a girl gets the jump on her in the barn, which, by the way, they're in this fucking, like, boat shed, like, five times. And I'm like, get that propeller blade. There's, like, weapons everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Stop I know, right? fighting with stun guns and shit. <laughs> Anyways, this girl gets the jump on her and immediately is just like, you fucking slut. You know, you take all the guys. This, so this girl who, as a child, was, you know, put in this sexual fucking trauma. Right. Then gets to high school and, you know, we don't know what she did is then accused and branded as this sexual deviant herself, gets to this island as a loner and fucking becomes unleashed, right? This is her chance to have her revenge right. and build a new version of herself. And that's, that's again, that's that's a moment 
in high school that's very relatable. This, you know, oh, all these rumors about me and this fucking false narrative version of me is the only one people know. Right. Well, you think about the other, I mean, you think about the other side of that too. Like the one step further of that person is the Columbine kids. Like that's who they are. Like that's, that's the unleashed, you know, to me, like that person who's the loner, who's been through something traumatic, who has, you know, anybody who's ever had rumors started about them or anything like that. Like you think about how many times in high school you heard someone like, Oh yeah, I heard, I heard she's a slut or like, Oh, I heard he's gay. Like, like these things that like, could really like, like damage someone per- like not uh, who gives a shit about their reputation, but damage them psychologically for the rest of their life. Like that is a tough pill to swallow. So you think about like all this stuff sort of on top of the fact that they're on some Island where they might murder after murder people <laughs> like that's where there literally are no rules left. That's a recipe yeah. for, yeah, you need to unleash. Yeah. And, I mean, even a simple scene, right? Like, so the girl in the yellow jacket that nut stabs the dude a bunch. Yeah. She escapes and finds the guy she had a crush on. And her dying breath, she goes, God, may I say one more thing? And she looks at him. She's like, oh, you look so cute. Yeah. And he's like, you look cute, too. <laughs> and then she dies. And I was like, oh, this is high school. all." <laughs> yeah. Like, just the, the importance that she thinks that she has to ask her God, her creator, in the moment of her last breath. Can I please have one more to tell him he looks cool? I love that beat. <laughs> I love that scene. I love the way it's I love, brilliant though. I love the way it's shot. There's just like lovely, like it's not it's not close up either or anything. <laughs> it's this like beautiful medium shot where essentially they're just like sitting there and he's just holding her and she's like, Oh, you look so cute. Like that's I, I, I love that shit. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. That's one like one of my favorite I love her, like She's a girl who ends up in Kill Bill, and I think she's wonderful. She has probably one of my favorite through lines. Like, the, yeah, the stalker guy who tries to fuck her, and he stabs her in the taint. Or he sta- she stabs him in the taint, and then that whole thing. Like, that's all it is. Like, I love that Battle Royale becomes so much more than just, like, kids needing to kill each other. Like, what it really becomes is, like, we're on this island. We have to do this. It's everyone's like basically it's everyone's like last chance to really be honest with not just themselves, but with everybody around them. Like it's a really it's a very fascinating dichotomy and a very fascinating allegory for what high school really is. And if not honest, at least kind of die the as a version of themselves they want. Right. Right. There's the guy who breaks into the boathouse and the girl's scared and hiding and she pops up and shoots him a couple times. Right. And he's just like. I always loved you. And she's like, why didn't you tell me I didn't know? Right. <laughs> and it's this, it's this hyper insane moment of, wow, she just fucking murdered this kid in cold blood. But we all can relate to that person. We had a crush on and we sure. never told him. And this unrequited love. <laughs> right. But <laughs> so the other thing, I- these big kind of like insanity, there are these, these high school relatable right. um, anchors keeping us in this world. Well, like the other thing I noticed too, c- uh, conversely, other than like this, like will to be honest with uh, people that you like loved or felt very strongly about conversely, the will to be honest with yourself is really fascinating. Like the first boathouse scene we see is um, the girl with the, I think it's the girl with the sickle and the one with the ta- with the taser. Yeah. Like that first scene is, I mean, that first scene is like Mean Girls in a nutshell, you know? Like, it's this cat and mouse <laughs> with a girl who maybe is a little different and this other girl who's supposedly very popular. Like, that whole thing, yeah, it just reeks throughout the entire movie of stuff like that, though. Like, every single kill, like, every single, like, scene where people are sort of in this situation where they can talk through it is sort of this microcosm of what school is, especially when you're a teenager. It's amazing. Like it's just yeah. It's just brilliant writing. It's it's interesting to see the different reactions, right? Like a very fascinating moment is uh when the girl's on the hill, her weapon is a megaphone. Yeah. And so that of the weapon also affects what you're doing, right? Right. Which is weird cuz like the binoculars don't really play in as much. The pot lid is used as a weapon. Uh, I have a tracking device and I'm the guy who wants to save my friends. Right. But these girls have a bullhorn and their idea is uh, we will be the loudest voice of reason and call everyone to peace. We can figure it out. Right. And our heroes are like, yeah, fuck yeah. All they did was call attention to themselves and get fucking brutally gunned down. <laughs> and this scene is gnarly when they're fucking shot and the, the psycho transfer kid puts the bullhorn up to her mouth and she's like, ah, ah, oh. ah. and you're, 
I mean, again, it's this, this call for peace, and then it immediately turns into this, if you are a pussy, you are going to get got. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. There is no room for softness. <laughs> no, no, you're not wrong. Like, it happens every single time. Like, the like, same thing happens when they're out by the, uh, by the, I think, by the ocean. Like, out by the rocks on by the ocean. Like, this movie never does this thing, does that thing that you expect in, like, American cinema. Where it's like, oh, there are still civil people here. Like, no, everyone is fucking out for themselves. Like, there's absolutely nothing civil about what's going on. Yeah. Like Shuya and Noriko are the only ones who have this. Like, obviously they have that sort of meaningful streak, but there's nothing about them that's civil. They still have to kill a bunch of people. Like, right. It's part of the deal. Well, I I like that. We see people choose to take their own lives out of some sense of dignity. I like the accidental explosion of paranoia, the cold blooded murders. I think it's, they do a nice kind of swatch of all of these different reactions to this, you know, which is how it would be. It's, it, that's to me that the fun in a movie like this, you know, once you get on that island, it essentially just becomes various. You know, the one transfer guy's kind of John Wick in his way through the island. Right, right. We have a psycho. We have, you know, the kind of Black Widow woman killer. Right. Um, it it becomes more this time for the audience while they're just watching kind of basic action and murder to ponder. Yeah. And and a lot of what you're doing is you're just. They they cover most, I think, of the interesting human reactions you would have to this. Yeah. And they also do they have that brilliant thing too about the danger zone. So you can't just like hide under a rock for Right, days. right, yeah. And you you can't come out anyways if you you know if there's anyone else alive. So it's it's a pretty straightforward game that they set up. They they do the weird thing of listing every fucking person that is dead. Oh, with see, the I really like that, man. I yeah, think that's I like really the cool. teacher too, who's like Wake up. Here's a list of all your friends that are murdered. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another thing that the fucking Hunger Games totally stole. I'm like, you guys. Yeah. Su- I, I don't know. Suzanne Collins really ripped off a lot of stuff from this. Like, there's a lot of just, like, insulary stuff that she sort of decided to grab, like, listing people <laughs> off, having, like, a home base to watch over everyone. But that's neither here nor there. I think the thing that I... These love. are all lesser Lord of the Flies. Let's yeah. be honest with ourselves. But the thing that I really love the most, like the thing that I take away the most from this movie and the thing that I love the most about really like Korean, Japanese, and Chinese cinema, particularly when it comes to high concept stuff like this, is like you were saying, beneath like the high concept, very like basic stuff, they let all that happen because they want you to really think about the ramifications of this. Like, what we're talking about and really kind of what's interesting is like this is the kind of movie that this show is built for is mm-hmm. for us to watch a movie that's so simple in premise and so simple in sort of the execution of it all, <laughs> pun intended, mm-hmm. that we <laughs> wind up we, that we wind up sort of grafting our own feelings and our own vibrations onto this movie itself because that's what it should mean to you is what are you pull? What are you pulling from this very simple cut and dry experience? Besides, like a couple of plot twists here and there, like what are you? What are you finding meaningful? Just like watching a girl die in this guy's arms. She says, "God, just give me one last chance to say, you look so cute." Like that. You're so cute. That is like yeah. like the fact that we're talking about that right now. That's what makes these kinds of high concept genre movies so interesting. Is that we're grafting all our own personal feelings and all our own personal experiences onto it so that we're sitting there, not just engaging in like, not just disengaging and watching a movie, but we're really engaging our minds and thinking like, huh, who the fuck would I kill if I was on the island? Like I'm thinking of like, I literally was thinking about in high school. Like you think back to your own high school class. I do like, all oh, the time. I know exactly who they would end with. And it would be me and Molly Weaver. I know for a fact she would be, she would definitely survive to the very end. Oh uh, dude, Molly Weaver would put your dick in the dirt. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Molly Weaver would definitely win battle Royale, but I'm just saying, yeah, like I, that's what I'm thinking about. Right. Here's something. We're getting close to the end of the movie, right? Here's right. something really fascinating they did, too, is not only putting us in the headspace of these different children's reaction. I think the way they end it with the teacher is fascinating. So the the guys pull off the worst fucking got you plan of all time, right? <laughs> yes. 
The worst, like, ah, I've carried you through this island. Now I will betray you. Ah, ha, ha. And the military falls for it because they're a bunch of Keystone cop rubes. idiots. Right? The teacher stays. And what we learn later is he says, I have nothing to go back to. At one point, he gets a phone call from his sister who pretty much is just like, ah, you're a piece of shit. I hate you. Right. You know, whatever. And so you get this sense that the teacher doesn't have a lot of good in his life anyways. And he's on to the game. He knows they didn't all die. He wants to confirm the kills. Right, right. Um, you know, and he even says no cheating. <laughs> so there, but this is there. Are, there are a couple interesting points in his journey I want to ask you about. One, when he walks out and saves our main girl because of his, his appearance, scares away sickle girl, and he gives her the umbrella. Right. Also, there's the daydream of him and the girl beside the river having dream sickles together. Right. Right. And we see later in like uh. You know, they do these kind of three callback scenes at the very end, right? Right. Um, that she's kind of just sharing like a nice human connection with him. So he obviously, and then when you go into the room with him, he's got this crazy fucking weird painting of her like surrounded by her dead body, Sermon on the Mount style. Right. So uh, what do you make of the downfall of our, our butt slice teacher? <laughs> I I think that he... I think that he, because like his daughter, like, yeah, like his daughter hates him. So like, she's like, yeah, fuck you. And hangs up the phone, that whole thing like that. I think that has a lot to do. Like, I I think back to like the beginning of the movie, like Noriko's the only one who ever shows up to class. Like she's the one who shows up at the very beginning, right before he gets butt sliced. And I think that that it's something we forget about until that moment. Like when he walks, when she walks in and sees that whole thing, like I, like he does that whole bit. He's like, I've always kind of thought of you as a daughter. Like that, I think is really what it boils down to. Is like, while Katano's a total douchebag for putting all these kids in this situation, I think mm-hmm. he assumes that she will be the one to rise to the top because she is with honor. Like I think that's the thing. That's the ultimate thing. I think that goes back to this sort of cultural thing I was talking about at the very beginning, and that the difference between American and Japanese culture is this great sense of honor. And I think that. He believes. Oh that- yeah, we got none of that shit. <laughs> right, well, I agree. Like Americans are like, nope. Give me my Mountain Dew and I'll be fine. Like that's really what it is. But this is really <laughs> get a- your honor out of my way. I need another sixteen piece bucket, <laughs> fried. But that's that's really what this boils down to. I think is like I think yeah. that the teacher sees a lot of honor in Noriko, and therefore, in a, in his own weird sort of way, he was rooting for her the whole time. There's. I think the way they play the ending to me also is it's anticlimactic to great effect, which is in a way the teacher is sitting there to kind of highlight the absurdity of all of this, right? Right. Like what I was talking about earlier, like what is the benefit or value of this? So not only has he been kind of pulling for a winner and has somewhat injected himself, right? He technically caused this girl to be saved. That's cheating. Right. Even though there are no rules. So uh, that's not cheating technically. Um, But when he comes in, he's kind of tough talking all of them and cheating. When he's shot down, he then fires a water pistol. Right. So he's not even armed. He was never going to He knows what's happening and he doesn't actually care. Right. But that's the. And in this kind of great cartoonish moment, his phone rings and he gets up from dead, answers his phone. He's just kind of like, fuck you. (laughs) <laughs> it's like a quick like little argument has this fucking a argument <laughs> and then he just passes out dead it, it's so cartoonish it is but to me it's just belie the teacher never has that moment of look at the lesson i taught you right there's kind of just this look at the absurdity of all of this bloodshed right i always feel like this movie exists in this like womb of hyper reality but then when you like pull away all that stuff you see inside and really what this is about is like the realism of like our relationships with other people, like so to speak, I, I I don't know how far I would go into that, but like the movie exists in a world of extreme hyper reality. So for it to pull back and do these sort of things like that, like Katano Katano having a water pill, she's like, wow, that's a profound moment. And then for it to get punctuated by this weird phone call and argument and then him to die is so bizarre he, yeah well he also like the last cookie puts it in his mouth and dies right so like it's, it's weird very it's just a straight but to me it just highlights the absurdity of it right? absolutely because the whole battle royale ends and we're left with 
Well, they did get off as a team, even though they're wanted at the end, right? right? Yeah, they're yeah. Like, they're on the we run. We have our weapons. But they didn't want it the most. No. Right? Other people wanted to survive more. Uh, they did do it as a team, but now they're wanted. It The whole thing feels... It doesn't feel like at the end of a battle royale, the society has moved in a better way. No. Like with other versions of these stories, you could make an argument that there's kind of a point to this. Right. But this is kind of very Lord of the Flies, which is as you know, in a world that got bad, we are exposed and our, our inner true natures are exposed. And this movie doesn't really waste any time saying what is the value of, no. Of that, it just kind of puts this scenario out there, and then we, the audience, right. are left to ponder these questions and and confront this this big idea of do we all have that in us, right? And this goes back to the would you partake in the game? Right. And at the end of the movie, I think most audience members will be left with, yeah, I would. Yeah, I think it goes back. It goes back to the point I was making about it being a very simple concept and very simple story that you yourself as the viewer have to graft yourself into. Because if, if you're just a spectator the entire time, you're not really doing your job as the spec, as an audience of this movie, you walk away from this movie wanting to have that conversation and needing to have that conversation because at no point throughout the film, does anyone have that conversation? (laughs) Yeah. Like only in the smallest kind of like hints and whispers, right? Like the extra, the exposition required for this kind of thing doesn't exist in the movie. So what the filmmakers asking you to do is to do all of that homework yourself. It's interesting. Right. Well, they, they actually leave it with a very interesting bow, like a thought experiment bow, which right. is what did Kiko's smile mean? Right. Like, so the, the transfer student is dying on the boat. It seems. And he talked about when they finally were in the previous battle royale, right? He's holding his dying partners. They thought they could get out together. Shit went south. And as he was holding her, she was dying with a smile. And he he's like, I kept asking myself, and that's part of why he's back, is what did her smile mean? And as the audience, we're left to ponder that same thing. They kind of come out with this, oh, well, through this terrible traumatic experience, I found true friendship. And I immediately wadded that up and threw it out. I'm like, that's bullshit. Yeah, I think so too. In a hyper fucking violent social experiment like this, none of that is reality, right? You could argue that what the island reveals as reality is how fucking quickly we can all turn savage. Right. But just because you are there at the end with someone, that doesn't mean it's out of friendship. That could be out of a lot of things, right? <laughs> right, right. Mostly just survival. So... I, I am asked, what is the smile at the end? And and to me, it's, again, it's just like the teacher. It's this this absurdness, right? Like we fought and we fought and we fought. And whether you betrayed your own morals or you tried to stand with dignity or, you know, you guys tried to create a new utopia and it all fucking failed because of paranoia, we all end up the same way. Like all the kids that went on that island are dead, right? right? At the end of the movie, we see that two of them are alive, and but they're wanted. They're not. This is the death of childhood, man. They're all gone. Right. So I think the smile is this kind of laughing in the face of reality, which is none of it matters. None of it has mattered at all. I agree. Which seems like it would be a negative for a movie. But to me, I I think in a movie like this, which is, you know, as much just kind of like philosophical, you know, bar conversation. Yeah. That doesn't bother me at all. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I think the philosophical quandary of like ordering chaos and a lot of what we encounter in Lord of the Flies, I would say the smile at the end really has to do with, I agree, the absurdity of the absurdity of life. It's sort of this uh, thing we encounter a lot of the time in comics with like the Joker is a great example. Yeah. Like, why is he always smiling? Well, the idea is that he sees the funny side. So what is the funny side? The funny side would be that nothing matters. So that's what I, that's what I always interpret. That's what I interpret the smile at the end as. Absolutely. Is that yeah. it's, 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 it's that it doesn't matter. Right. And as an audience member at the end of the movie, I'm fucking smiling too. You're like, the world building doesn't all the way add up to me. The idea is super fucking cool and it was a really fun ride. Yeah. And at the end of the day, none of it maybe mattered, right? Like the it's not entertaining the masses of this terrible future Japan. It's not <laughs> it's not breeding better citizens. It's not you know, it's not a a way to scare the children into being better. It's just 
people being fucking yeah. bad to other people, man. Right. And that's that's a basic story. That's all. It's it's good versus evil in a way. Absolutely. The problem is, is that we're all this weird mix of good and evil. Uh, I don't know. I just I think it's an insanely fun movie, and it, it's one of those movies that is always fun to just turn on and fucking go on the ride. Yeah, I agree. It's it's fun to go on the ride and then have these kinds of conversations after. It's it's what makes yeah. it's what makes this movie unique to a lot of movies that are like it. But you know, I mean, that's the thing in a, in a sci-fi world like this, it's so insanely easy to get on the pay. Again, this is when confronted with the new reality, man. It's so easy to see the reality of this movie, and we're just like, yep. You just accept it so readily. Yeah. You just walk, you walk, <laughs> and, you, and you're, and you're, got just, it. you're one of those kids on the island. It's, Absolutely. It's a great mix of style. It has great fucking action, good kills. Um, you do find a way to relate to these characters without a ton of screen time. There's a lot of people we see on this screen talking and trying to emote. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just a fascinating, fucking awesome film. Uh, I hope you guys liked it too, man. That is the end of the pod and rolls in the School of Hard Knocks. But there's one more Woo! space open for you, the fans, the alchemists, to pick any movie with schools gone awry, violent, bloody, insane. Uh, you pick it. We'll cover it as our fan pick. Again, we're trying to get to Suspiria Live. We're working on that. Uh, or the new Suspiria in theaters. We're working on that. Um, but yeah, guys, share these movies with your friends. Hopefully you don't kill each other. If you survive arm in arm and not a blood-soaked lone survivor, share the podcast with, <laughs> with your buddy. <laughs> That's how we'll get more people in, man. That's how we'll find better and more interesting movie conversations to have. Uh, if you find our show on a podcast directory where you can leave us a rating or review, that helps us out enormously to find, again, more people to help fucking... You know, find these diamonds in the rough. You guys and your reviews essentially become that weird hourglass that Jafar has that shows HD Aladdin. Very strange. <laughs> we need you. We're on social media. long uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're easy to find, guys. We want to hear from you. Please uh, come find us, talk with us, and then invite your friends to do the same on your social pages. Hit us up. Um, all these little things help us out a lot, guys. We love doing this show. And we just want to make it better and more exciting for all of us. Please help us. You're our only hope. <laughs> That's it, guys. I've never been more glad that I'm old and far, far from my school days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Peace. Peace.